Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. So again, our guest today on the Lean Blog Podcast is Matthew May. Thanks for taking time out to talk today. Thanks, Mark. Um, w- want to talk about your book that's uh, coming out soon here uh, in Pursuit of Elegance, but want to first maybe have you introduce yourself uh, to the listeners and viewers here and, and, and talk about your experiences working with Toyota and, and how that led into the work you're doing today. Okay. Uh, let's see. In a nutshell, um, name's Matt May, um, author of two books. One of the first was called The Elegant Solution, Toyota's Formula for Mastering Innovation, which is the Toyota reference uh, that you just gave. And this new one is called In Pursuit of Elegance, Why the Best Ideas uh, have something missing. Uh, the common theme to both is this notion of elegance, uh, where elegance is defined as the combination of, of extreme simplicity, unusual simplicity, and surprising power. Uh, and you asked about Toyota. I did, uh, I did have an eight-year stint with Toyota beginning in 1998, uh, ended in uh, the end of 2006, which is when my uh, first book, The Elegant Solution, came out. Um, at Toyota, there was, a, there was a sense that elegance was something uh, to be sought after, pursued, highly valued. Um, I spent eight years there, and the, the assignment, the original assignment, was, was how to translate for the knowledge world uh, the kinds of the things that were going on in the production world in terms of constant improvement, constant creativity, continuous uh, shop floor innovation, how you could get that kind of thinking into the knowledge side of the business. And uh, they gave me a, a three-month research assignment um, uh, to, to help them try and figure that out. And I wasn't really able to complete it in that time frame, but nonetheless, it turned into an eight-year partnership in which I was a fully retained uh, outside external team member, not so much a consultant, but an external team member, and I got to design and develop a lot of the signature programs. Uh, over the course of, of, of those eight years, I took a journey from novice to, to master, as it, as it were, in terms of Kaizen and continuous improvement and teaching the Toyota way. Uh, and, and in the course of that eight years, was able to actually complete that, that initial assignment. Um, but in the course of doing that, certain things had to happen in my brain and ways of thinking had to change uh, in the course of doing that. And that's what really led to the authoring of these two books, was the notion that elegance is about uh, a stop-doing strategy, a subtractive strategy, and where if you think about things in the right way and you think about things uh, in terms of what can be taken away in order to achieve greater impact, uh, which leaves you with sometimes some incomplete ideas, yet more powerful nonetheless, you can indeed achieve far more with and for much less, which is, if you think about it, sort of a tie to your world, which is the lean world. Sure. And now in your, in your first book, In the Elegant Solution, you talked about examples of this elegance in different products and different services, right? Um, would, you, would you consider... Uh, let's say an iPhone to be a quote-unquote elegant device. Is Apple 
kind of a proponent of, of elegance in design, would you say? Well, I think so. I mean, if you if uh, if you've seen an iPhone, and gosh, they're so ubiquitous ubiquitous right now. Who hasn't? Um, but it was sort of interesting when Steve Jobs stood in front of the Macworld conference uh, a little over two years ago. Now I think it was 2007, and demonstrated the iPhone. What really shook the audience was that there was something missing. Um, and what was it? Well, he had removed. The, the the one characteristic of every phone in the world, which was a physical keyboard. And the audience sort of w- was shocked by what they saw. How could you possibly eliminate completely a physical keyboard? Um, you know, Walt Mossberg of the Wall Street Journal personal technology column took jobs to task for that. Um, and um, But even more interesting, even more interesting to me was the marketing strategy that Apple used for the iPhone. The iPhone was hailed as the most hyped product ever. Well, I went back and I took a look at the marketing that occurred between January and June, which was when the iPhone was available. Guess what? Nothing. There was nothing. There was no. There was no uh, huge advertising campaign. No huge PR uh, campaign. No multi-channel uh, distribution strategy. You couldn't even get a prototype. Even Walt Mossberg wasn't given one. They leaked nothing until a couple of days before launch, um, when they had a, a an ad, a, a short television commercial. But there was no marketing strategy. The consumers filled in that missing piece based on what they saw in that first Macworld conference. Now, moving from your first book, The Elegant Solution, to um, the new book, In Pursuit of Elegance, how, how does the story progress, or how does your new book that's coming out build upon what was in the first one? I wanted to look deeper into the notion of elegance, where not just in the realm of my world, which was Toyota for eight years, uh, but across domains, be it sports, be it architecture, uh, business, um, television, for example. Um, I was looking for instances where something had been taken away, subtracted, if you will, and had greater impact because of it. So this book is more of a worldview book. I basically traveled the planet for a couple of years, um, all over the world, looking for examples, you know, where something had been subtracted and you got greater impact because of it. But not just erased, not just cut out. Like what you see going on right now because of the economy, you see a lot of companies cutting things out. But what they're cutting out are value-adding things. Elegance is about how do you subtract certain things to add more value and much of that value being added by consumers who act as creators uh, and partners in the process. They're active, actively involved in uh, what emerges as the product or service or, or strategy or performance. Uh, so that's the difference. Um, it's not just uh, uh, it's not a business book per se. It's a book for anyone and everyone who is involved in the exchange of ideas every day and who isn't. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you emphasized, I guess you would say, you know, by, by subtraction, that we're not creating, quote-unquote, elegant organizations by getting rid of loads of people. You don't mean that sort of no. uh, subtraction no. and cost-cutting. That's unfortunately kind of a, a, a sign of, of this climate. Um, but um, there, there really are a lot of great examples in the book. Um, one of the mentioned, you know, I feel fortunate that I was able to read uh, an advanced manuscript, and it, it really was... Um, um, I have to say, quite, I mean, quite a page turner. I read it over a couple of nights, and uh, it was a really intriguing book. And, and uh, I want maybe probe in a couple of the examples you shared of of elegance from these different arenas. And what I found really helpful and inspiring about the book was that it made me think. That I would read and stop and and, and think about my own examples. And uh, I found it a very thought provoking book in that sense. It's not a strictly prescriptive. You know, here are the eight steps to uh, to becoming elegant. It's more complex, but you know, I'd say more artful than that. That um, you know, really is um, a, lot, a lot of thought provoking ideas that you pulled from different areas. And before we talk about some of those examples, could, could you share a little bit more? We've talked about um, what you call the stop doing philosophy and how that's elegant. So I was wondering if you could share some of the origins of, of that approach, how you found that. Well, yeah, the origins for me uh, came from a gentleman by the name of Jim Collins, um, who I'm sure your audience will recognize as a business guru and author of a couple of great books, Built to Last and and most recently, uh, Good to Great. But in the course of about halfway between my tenure at Toyota, where I was sort of struggling with the original assignment, I read an end-of-the-year USA Today forum piece that he had written, and it was titled, Next Year, Consider a Stop Doing List. And it sort of caught me up short, because what do we do at the the beginning of every year? We set big, hairy, stretch goals and things that we're going to accomplish that year, New Year's resolutions. And the gist of his message was, well, consider things to not do in the coming year. And he cited an example that had changed his life, where he had left Stanford, as a, as a young MBA, and he had done what most of us do when we leave MBA school, which is enter a fast-paced career and start climbing the corporate ladder. And he was doing that at Hewlett-Packard. And he went back to visit Stanford, uh, and one of his favorite instructors who taught uh, personal creativity in business um, sort of took him by the scruff of the neck and shook him and said, you know, Jim, listen, yeah, you might be you might be going down the wrong path here. Um, let me ask you something. What if you had $20 million free and clear, but you only had 10 years left to live? What would you do? More importantly, what would you not do? And that really truly did what you just said, which was to made him, it made him stop and think about what was most important to him, um, how he used his time wisely, um, the things that mattered most to him, and it also became a screen uh, by which he was able to identify companies that he considered to be not just good, but great. Um, and that whole notion of whatever your strategies, goals, and objectives are, getting rid of the bottom 20% forever, which is what he prescribed, was world-changing for me. And it made me stop and think about the world of Toyota as not what they were doing, but what they weren't doing. And it also opened my eyes to the rest of, of, of the world in terms of ideas, strategies, solutions, 
where sometimes it's better to not rush in and act because when we do that, we inevitably add things, not all of them value adding, but to stop and think and possibly stop doing. So that's, that's sort of the genesis of, of that whole stop doing strategy. And for the next five years, it became the lens through which I looked at the world. Yeah, no, I was um, wondering if you could talk about Toyota for a minute because a uh, new generation, I guess, third-gen Prius is coming out, and there was some talk, uh, I believe, from Toyota executives saying that they had started to get a little bit bloated in terms of the features that they were offering, solar panels um, to, to help run cooling systems. The cost had gotten a little out of hand. Um, but prior to that, you, you have good examples of um, a different product where Toyota had applied this uh, stop-doing this, this elegant type design method in a different way, if you could talk about that. Well, sure. Well, the, the, probably the easiest one to talk about is their newest brand, which is the Scion brand, which is meant to be their uh, youth brand. Several years ago, they recognized that their customers were growing up. And by the year 2020, um, their customer base was no longer going to be the same. And so they better figure out a way to address that those those that new generation, that Gen Y buyer, as it were. And they tried and failed miserably at trying to market the Toyota brand to the young folks. You know, hey, I don't care if you stick it on my cell phone. I don't care if it's in, you know, this magazine or the other. That's still a Toyota. That's what my mom drives, and I'm not going to drive it. So you better come up with something different. And so that required Toyota really to go back to the ground floor in terms of observing their new customer and really getting to know their customer. And, you know, the, the term there is, is Genshi Kimbutsu, which is get out there and, and truly become the customer, infiltrate them, and involve them in the design of the, of the product or service you're trying to, to uh, deploy. And that's what they did. And they came out with a, a very Spartan vehicle, the Scion XB. Looks like a toaster. Um, a very boxy thing. Um, not something probably you and I would want to drive. But the, the important part and what you're getting to is that they had left a lot of things out. They didn't have many features, um, didn't have a lot of bells and whistles uh, to the vehicles. a $15,000 vehicle. Um, and But what they had discovered in getting out into the marketplace was that this, this new young generation buyer is all about me and they want to personalize things. And that's what they allowed this car to done to it. Not only could you have factory options, um, but it left open the aftermarket. And that's what the kids did. They spent another fifteen grand on the car, customizing it, um, making it their own, putting TVs and flat panel screens and uh, DVD burners and uh, sound systems like you wouldn't believe into it and really truly made the vehicle quite successful. But it was, they had removed not just the options and accessories, but they sort of took um, the Apple iPhone strategy, which was don't market this. Um, the, the young generation doesn't want to be pushed uh, they want to discover for themselves, and so they planted the. Uh, they didn't have a big advertising campaign. They planted the cars at uh, extreme sporting events and urban art shows, and of all places, raves, and let the, the young folks discover for themselves the vehicle. Yeah, that's a very innovative approach, and uh, yeah, I don't. 
recall any of the uh, the big three, the Detroit three, taking creative approaches like that. So maybe that's just part of uh, maybe a symptom of uh, of what's gotten them stuck in uh, some bad times. Um, but uh, hope you know. I, I like I said, I really enjoyed the book. Maybe we can do another podcast where we can share. Um, a couple other examples um, of, of elegance. I like the way you shared examples from different um, fields and, and different industries. Um, so if you're willing to do that, maybe we can do another session. But for now, if you could um, let the listeners and viewers know uh, when the book is coming out, where they can find it, and more importantly, maybe how they can communicate and uh, find you online. Absolutely. Uh, the book comes out May 19th. Uh, it is called In Pursuit of Elegance, Why the Best Ideas Have Something Missing. Uh, stories from, from the art world, from the sports world, to the business world, uh, to the television world, uh, you name it, um, can be found in bookstores uh, and on all the retailers. Um, I would love to invite everyone to uh, hook into the blog site, the book site. It's a, it's a blog. It's called InPursuitOfElegance.com. That's easy to remember. Um, would love to to have people engage in that uh, in the following way. Love to hear their ideas of of where something has been subtracted. They've realized uh, elegant solutions and ideas not by adding something, but by making something go missing, uh, and and get a dialogue going uh, around those those kinds of ideas. So thank you very much for allowing me the opportunity to share some of the thoughts I have on this topic of elegance. Oh, absolutely. And again, you know, I really enjoyed the book. I am uh, I'm bad about starting a book and not finishing. And this is one that uh, you know I tore through as quickly as I could uh, to get to the finish. I really enjoyed the book and hope people will check it out. So I want to thank you for taking time out today with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.